Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The Prolific Writer Podcast, episode number 80, William Schlichter stops by the show. And William is a creative writing teacher in high school and college. And we have a great conversation about what it looks like to inspire the next generation of artists and writers. And we talk about everything from his award-winning screenplays on The Walking Dead to writing a novel to getting in the words. And I think you're really going to love this episode. So before we get to the episode, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your Prolific Writer Podcast host, Ryan J. Pelton. I am so glad that you are here, however you found us, episode 80 coming at you. And however you're listening to me, washing the dishes, taking care of the kids on the commute, on the train, on the subway. Maybe you're in Germany, maybe you're in Australia, maybe you're in Japan, maybe you're in the US. Yes, there are listeners all over the world. And so I'm so glad that you are here. The podcast dedicated to helping you write fast, often and well, and to get you unstuck. And so we have another great episode coming at you today, William Schlichter. And one of the things that I was just so encouraged by today is, is I was just thinking about, you know, the, the world's in a bad place and there's always things going on. It could be, you know, your, your own life, your own family, your own neighborhood, your own country, wherever you live. Um, but one of the things I heard years ago is that people need your art and we need to make more art and better art. And, uh, you know, if we don't like the, the way things are, we need to create a new culture. We need to create better culture. And some of that is by creating and by making art. And, uh, I was just thinking about that as, as I interviewed William Schlichter, who's a creative writer, writing, excuse me, teacher in college and, and high school students. And just the way he just was 
in his life so encouraged by his parents uh, to to create art and to write and to tell stories and and why he's kind of passing that down to the next generation of, of writers and, uh, and and I just think the world needs more art in the world and there's stories to tell and there's messages to impact people and and words can can have that kind of impact and so I was just really really grateful to have him on the show I think you're gonna love this this interview we talk about a ton of things um, it's hard to nail down exactly what the one theme is but we talk a lot about uh, just craft and screenwriting and and getting the words on the page and discipline and all kinds of stuff. So I really in for a treat. Now, before we get to the, the interview, uh, just real quick, uh, I've mentioned this the last couple weeks is if you would like to support the show and also the other shows on the project entertainment network, go to projectentertainmentnetwork.com and you can find all the shows there. I think there's like 25 shows at this point, uh, but we also have a Patreon page. Uh, you can find it right there on the, on the website. I'll put it in the show notes, uh, but patreon.com uh, slash, I don't know the exact it's project entertainment. Uh, or something, but it's a way that you can support uh, this podcast and support other podcasts and uh, and give a donation to artists to get their their work out in the world, uh, particularly this podcast and and other podcasts. Uh, but also, we got some cool uh, gifts and prizes um, and bonuses for those that support uh, the Project Entertainment Network uh, Patreon, and so you can see that. And uh, I've written a short little story uh, that you can get as well, a signed copy of that. And uh, there's some other stories and things that that they're giving away, and so a lot of cool stuff on there. So go check that out. Love for you to support this show and support uh, project entertainment as well and all the great stuff going on uh, there as well. So go check that out and I'll put that in the show notes. So before uh, we get to the interview, how about some more music? Well, hey, welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. So glad that you are here. I'm really privileged today to have William Schlichter on the show. And uh, William, why don't you say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little about your family and anything uh, that might be interesting. Well, um, my name is William Schlichter. I've been an English teacher, theater teacher, speech teacher, pretty much anything they need for the last uh, 18 or 19 years, depending on if you can sitter when I got out of prison. Um, <laughs> I like to tell that joke. Um, I actually worked, my first teaching job was in corrections. I always think that's pretty interesting because there's a million stories there. Uh, I've published five novels uh, through uh, BHC Press out of Michigan. I write horror and sci-fi. Uh, I teach some adjunct college courses. I do have two fully grown uh, twin daughters and uh, I spend most of my days talking about writing with students. Well, that's exciting. And uh, I love having, um, you know, professional writers, but also professional teachers of writing on the show, because I think we can learn a ton from kind of what you see as far as students that come in and where they start and the things that you're trying to help them and, and, and all that good stuff. And so I'm really looking forward to, forward to talking to you. So um, just, just right off the bat, I mean, how, how do you, you know, as a, you know, you're a professional writer as well and a teacher, um, how do you kind of live in those, those two worlds? Um, is, is it a different, you know, muscle? Is it a different, you know, are you, are you more critical of yourself when you think about, you know, practicing what you preach and all of that? Um, how, how do those worlds collide? You, I am a little bit, I do notice sometimes I, I will be editing for maybe even the third or fourth time a manuscript. And I'm like, Oh my God, I would so fail a kid if they wrote this sentence. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do find it helps. You don't get to write as much as you would like if you could be a starving artist and sit at home because you do have to grade those papers. 
but it does help a lot. A lot of times when you're explaining a writing technique or something they should be doing, uh, you know, you find in your own writing that you're correct, you're self-correcting your, uh, what you're doing, which is, which is nice. Uh, so maybe there's less for a professional editor to do, but I can't find my own mistakes the way I find the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll read a document three or four times and you know, there'll be a, a, a her that should be a here or a here that should be a her. And I'm like, I, why did I not see this? If a kid wrote that, I'd have been all over them for that. But right. Uh, I have found it really does help my writing a lot. Uh, plus, I teach a creative writing course, which the writing part adds to my credibility because the older I get, the more I, I like people to be, you know, who are my bosses to be in the trenches. So I feel like I'm explaining to these kids how to write and I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I can say this is what I've been doing and hopefully it helps you. And if I'd have learned a lot of the things that I teach my students, you know, uh, when I was in high school, you know, I might have been published 10 or 15 years ago instead of, you know, 25 after I got out of high school. Now, here's a question I was kind of thinking as, as we were, you know, when I was thinking about having you on and, and kind of your background is, you know, one of the things I, I noticed in my own life, and, and I've heard this from other uh, folks that are maybe a little older now, but I hear this common theme in our interviews is, you know, I, I loved writing. I was a kid, you know, junior high, high school. And then it was like, well, now I got to get a real job and I don't, you know, can't be creative. I got to pay the bills and all those kinds of things. Um, you know, have you found that that true with students? I mean, is it, is there still a hunger to write, create, to make stuff? Um, you know, w- when does that kind of stop or, or, you know, how do you, how do you keep kind of cultivating that? Obviously you want to, you know, I think you, I read in your bio, you want to, you know, help the next generation of artists. Um, you know, yeah. how, how have you seen that kind of play out with, with kids? Well, I, I had one girl that asked me if she should take a year off after high school to write a novel the other day, and I tried to talk her out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. I, I, I think that you can't quit going to school. Plus, you can go to college and take some writing courses, and I think you don't have to get a degree, mm-hmm. but to take a couple of writing courses on a college campus will help give you a direction mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But I have a ton. Um, uh, last year, I had... 25 kids in my creative writing class uh, that dwindled down uh, at semester to about 15 and those 15 want to write. I think that there's a lot of them that want to write. And uh, I also encourage a lot of them to write just journals. If they have an issue, so many of our kids have anxiety issues and I encourage them just to journal and write about it. And out of that, some of them pick up, uh, writing more. Plus it, it's great therapy. I mean, you know, I, I wrote that serial killer novel and now I have no more anger towards my ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not that I killed her in the novel or anything. <laughs> right. I wouldn't do that, but you know, you, sometimes you, you can work out some of your aggressions on the page and, right. and you know, they don't, they don't lock you away forever. Right. Um, I, I think that you, you encourage them, but you can't be, I'm not soft. In fact, a lot of them really cry the first couple pay even in my comp classes when they get their first couple papers back and I, I print them out and I grade them in pen. I, something about I cannot edit as well on the screen. Uh, and I grade in purple and it's bleeding all over the place. And then by the end of the semester uh, or even the next year when they've gone off to college for real, uh, they come back and they're like, thank you for, you know, you, you were so right. You know, it really helped me. I got so much better at this because it's harsh because you're going to get a stack of rejection letters if you want to be published. And I don't think a lot of people really tell you how to fix things. I just 
the way I, I what I've learned over the years in screenwriting and and just trying to write my own characters and developing characters, I actually kind of have an epiphany a couple weeks ago with theme and I'm like I'm I'm much older and I've been teaching it for years and I just it's just like hit me how important the theme was for this character in this book and it's driving the story and I've written other books that don't have that core of a theme. So I, I, I don't know. I think your passion as well. I'm always all over the place. I chase a lot of rabbits. But my passion for writing falls in with those kids too because the ones that aren't in class this year are still coming back and want me to read their stuff and see their pieces. And that helps. But I, I'm, I'm harsh. But at the same time, I'm trying to show them how to be a better writer. Mm-hmm. It's not just, okay, that paragraph's wrong. It's let's fix it. Because mm-hmm. that's my mantra is, and I forget who I stole the quote from, but I can't fix, I can't, I can't fix a blank page. Mm-hmm. No, that's good, and and I think what you learn too when you work with editors, if you know if you've ever worked with an editor, and um, you know a lot of our people that listen have, or or they do it for the first time, and they're just like, whoa, geez, that, that's pretty harsh, you know, all the things that that are wrong with my 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 book and my story. Uh, but you learn from it. I mean, it's like a master class. You know, I, I remember the first time I had a professional editor, and you know, looking at my novel, and it was like. Oh my goodness. You, you see your tendencies as, as well. Like the things that you, you tend to do over and over and over. And then maybe the next time you write a story, you don't do that as much. Um, and yeah, it's, I mean, sometimes it's like, yeah, it's harsh, but I, but I think there's such a great learning curve with that. And, you know, and I love, it's exciting to hear that so many young people that are excited about, you know, writing and, and creativity. Um, so where, so where did your kind of love for the arts and writing and reading and, and all that, where, how did that start? Um, kind of as a, as a, was it as a kid or was it in high school? Oh, yeah. What was the influences I, in your life? I was, I, my parents took me to see Star Wars when I was three and a half years old. It's my earliest childhood memory. We saw it at the drive-in. I'm, I know I'm dating myself mm-hmm. now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I came back and I fell asleep before they blew up the Death Star. Spoiler. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, what? <laughs> and, oh, man. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we won't even get into what happens in the second one, you know. Right. Um, this and, and, you know, everybody wanted to be – and of course, I was three and a half, but it's like everybody wanted to be a Jedi or they wanted to be Han Solo. And I'm like, no, I, I – and I didn't know who he was at the time, but I wanted to be George Lucas. Uh, I mean, I wanted to create that world. And just from that point on in my imagination, um, I kind of always kind of had this sci-fi idea. I told my first grade teacher I was going to write a novel and I kind of wrote a book in the fifth grade and I've always written, um, my sci-fi series. I actually completed the first one in high school. The one that's on the shelves now is way better. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I would send it off and get rejection letters uh, and so I rewrite it or I would write the next one in the series and then I'd rewrite the first one and send it off and collect more rejection letters. And, and then I did get married and, and had, and had twin daughters. So I kind I always wrote, but I didn't write like every day, like I do now. And then when they got all, almost to adulthood, I went back and got my master's degree and got a screenwriting certificate and won some awards for my writing. And they're adults now. And I have, it's like, okay, dad is going to go do his thing. Uh-huh. And I have really kind of hit the ground running with this, and it's just always, just always there. That cre- one of the creativity is always there. Uh, it's always just as long as I can remember, it's something I've wanted to do. What were some of the you know early influences as far as like specific other than Star Wars? You know, kind of movies, books. Um, you know, were your parents readers? I mean, what were the things that you were kind of uh, influenced by that said, you know, I want to write this kind of stuff, or I want to write these kind of, kind of stories? Always. 
Yeah, my mom was always a reader, uh, so I always saw her read, though. She reads historical romance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I've picked one of those up. Uh, there was always magazines in the house. My dad was uh, uh, just, I mean, he could do amazing things with computers before you even had one in the home. And uh, he actually bought me my first computer so I could use it as a word processor. And, and my grandparents read. Everybody read. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was never discouraged from being create uh, being creative. Um, I mean, I always said I wanted to write a book and nobody, nobody ever uh, told me no. I couldn't. In fact, I remember one time, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles were a new thing, and my dad was telling people, you know those Ninja Turtles? Yes, yeah, my son writes crazier stuff than that. So, <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and very, very supportive. And, you know, like I said, I never quit, and I just, I've always wanted to write. In fact, I used to get in trouble in the fourth grade for writing stories instead of doing my work. Uh-huh. Yep. Which, you know, and Instead of maybe encouraging me to write better, you know, it's like, are you supposed to be doing this other stuff? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) This is what I want to do. This is what I want to work on. So uh, it's always kind of been inside me. And sometimes you get students that you kind of see that, too, and you try to encourage them because it's writers just can be so devastating because sentences are sometimes a sentence doesn't work or people don't understand what you're trying to say and they they don't they're not good at being constructive a lot of times and that's something else I work with my students is to try to help them be more constructive in their responses but at the same time I tell them when something doesn't work Mm -hmm. and you've got to fix it and make it better Mm -hmm. well I think it sounds like yeah go ahead as I say I kind of wish that somebody had been a little harsher with me on that aspect when I was younger just because again I think I could have maybe have been published not out of high school by any means, but sooner, you know, cause it's sure. such a, such a bloodthirsty market out there to get a book out. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and I think what you're saying too, is like early on, you had a lot of people giving you permission to be creative. And, and I think for kids, especially, you know, anyone even listening to the show, it's, you know, having, having someone in your corner, having someone supporting you, just giving you permission, that first step, like, Hey, you know, write your heart out, you know, write those stories and encourage you. I mean, I think that makes, makes all the difference too. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you've kind of taken that, you know, kind of paid it forward with your own, you know, teaching and, and and things like that. So, um, you know, one of the things I I noticed in your bio is you've, you've written some screenplays and, uh, and won some awards and things. Um, so, so tell us kind of, uh, I'm always interested with screenplays because it's, you know, when you think of a novel, you got this, you know, long runway, a lot of detail, you know, and you got this screenplay that, you know, what is it? 120 pages or whatever it is. Um, you know, it can't be overly detailed because you're, you know, it's for, for the screen, not for a book. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of your first attempt at screenplay writing and, you know, how that went and and also just kind of what, what's the process, uh, compared to like writing, you know, the novels that you write and things like that. Well, I wrote an episode of The Walking Dead first time and won an award. So my process was to write an episode of The Walking Dead and win an award. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, everybody's, no, right? I mean, I, I, no, I, I, I'm a little bit more humble than that. But that was really, um, I think, the fact that I had spent, you know, 20 years trying to write a book also helped improve my writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you cannot, you're not. If you get your first book published right out of the gate at 18, you, I mean, and I've read a few of those, and some of them are not as amazing as some of them are. Um, <laughs> I think the fact, and, but I don't think you have to wait till you're 40 either, but the fact that you're always writing helps. Mm-hmm. 
I studied, the, I took the course, I wanted a master, I got a master's degree in theater, theater and I could get a screenwriting certificate. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to quit teaching for a couple of years and, and, uh, and just sub and work on this. I'm going to, to get what I wanted for a degree this time around instead of I was kind of rushed in when I was the first time around. So I took the screenwriting class, had an instructor who was great, uh, Diana Botsford. She actually wrote for Star Trek The Next Generation. And she walked us through how to write an award-winning screenplay. And you had to watch the show. You had to watch every uh, – you had to watch an episode a day and listen to the voices and listen to the voices and listen to the voices and really get the feel for the characters. Uh, and, in fact, I had written a scene and then a few – and I had turned it in. And a few weeks later, they uh, did that episode and they did that scene. And I couldn't believe it. I had written a scene so well, you could almost drop my episode in that scene from my episode into that episode that I had shown. And she said, you got to take it out. People accuse you of, of cheating. And I was like, well, that's fine. But I get an A for characters are accurate, right? Because it's <laughs> like I wrote. Um, so studying the show to play in somebody else's sandbox really came up with understanding the voice. And I actually wrote a piece about Daryl that later turned out to be kind of true. I had written that um, they were they, a tree had fallen in the road and there was no other way to, for them to go and a couple of the guys couldn't chop the tree properly so Daryl walks over there takes the axe and shows them how to do it and he says there were times in the winter when I had to go out or we didn't have any heat and then there's that episode with him and Beth when we find out that that was probably accurate so studying those characters really helped with the show as far as when I moved on to the next level my own script. I had a horror movie idea I had actually saved from a newspaper about a real tragic event about a murder, uh, which I saved. Uh, I'd always had it because I'm always collecting ideas. Um, in fact, I've got about 50. Na if you could see them on my desk right now, there's about 50 napkins of an idea that pops in them in the car. And I write them down on napkins that I find in the car. Um, I had this, this idea for a story at some point. And I said, well, this will make a great screenplay. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, and I took that and I expanded it, and it just wasn't one murder. It was a repeating murder with a serial killer, and my professor thought it was one of the scariest things she ever read, and it placed in several competitions. So it was just an idea that I'd held on to. And Stephen King says those are the ones you want to keep. Mm -hmm. If it keeps coming back to you and coming back to you, that's the idea that you want to write down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he. he uh, as far as, yeah, go ahead. No, as I was gonna say, as far as the process um, with it in a screenplay, you don't write the brick house with a white picket fence and a squeak. Well, you might put a squeaky gate. I mean, if it's important to the story, because you never know where their location is going to be. You just put a house. Mm -hmm. You don't ever put colors or other things unless they're important to the story. And I actually kind of have moved towards that in my own writing that I don't put a lot of extra detail. That's not important. Um, I've gone as far as in my sci-fi book, unless they're an alien to ignore skin color. I mean, what's it matter? Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't matter for the human characters unless there's a reason for it. So I pulled some of that out and I'm still writing a 10, a hundred thousand word novel. So I don't have, I don't gore you down with boring details that aren't interesting. What I tell you is important. And I learned that a lot from screenwriting. Um, I did a lot more, a lot more outlining for screenwriting. I mean, you almost, you, you like write a short story of the episode or the movie, then you explain, expand it into an outline and then you expand that into a further outline 
And you may expand that again before you ever write any dialogue. Now, if you've got a piece of dialogue for that scene you want, you kind of write it and you put it to the side. And then when you finally get down to actually writing the dialogue, you've got everything else expanded. The other thing that's so important is the research. Uh, my current novel, I'm, I've set it in the 1920s, and I have been reading everything I can about the 1920s. And I find that just so, I, I just, it's so amazing. And you think, well, you wrote an episode of The Walking Dead. What'd you research? Zombies? And I said, well, actually, I do read a lot of zombie books. But watching that episodes over and over and over again, and, and not like sitting and physically watching them, just turn it on, go in the other room and listening to how the characters talk. Mm -hmm. So you can play in that sandbox and you can write so that you sound like Rick. And in fact, I spent so much time on that, and I read the comic books, and I've read a couple of the novels. It drives my students crazy, because I'll tell them what's going to happen on Sunday's episode, and it comes true, and they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I studied the show so well, I can figure out kind of where they're going based on dissecting. In fact, it, I, I, I'm so glad I can still watch it for fun, because you almost dissect it to the point where it's like, I can't watch this anymore, because I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> No, I think that's good. I, I think that's a, actually a lot, a great lesson for, you know, people looking for ideas or inspiration or, you know, you're saying keeping, you know, ideas on napkins or watching TV or film or there, there really is ideas everywhere. I mean, just kind of, you know, taking a little idea here, a little thought here, a little scene here. And, uh, but really, yeah, getting in kind of the, the headspace of those characters. I, I find too, I don't, I don't know if your books are in, in series, but you know, when you write a series, you, once you kind of nail those characters, they really kind of just become real. And it's so, so much easier to keep writing them because you're, you know, their, you know, their mannerisms, you know, how they talk, you know, what they're thinking, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's really helpful. Um, yeah, my sci-fi series, since I wrote seven of those and then I went back and I've started over and I've rewritten them and I'm, I'm adding a lot of the stuff I've learned about writing. But I already know where I wanted some of those characters to end up in book seven, and it changes them. But they're more they're they're even more realistic because you kind of know because you want you might learn something about them in book three that you didn't know until you got to book three. Well, now you know that about them, and it changes how they sometimes interact with other characters in book one. Which maybe when that fact about them gets revealed in book three, you go, "Oh, I think it makes you a better writer than when you write a series like that, and you've taken the time and you have two or three of them." You know, especially if you haven't been published yet and you don't have to give your publisher a book or you're trying to put out a series in a length of time, you can spend more time with those characters. So I don't know that everybody needs to – I wrote a book. I need to get it published immediately. I think you ought to let it sit on the shelf and go back to it. Uh -huh. no, that's, that's good, yeah. Um, so uh, would you say like your novels, uh, you know, because you do a lot of screenwriting too, I mean, are they are they very – cinematic i mean do you kind of see them as movies as you're writing them how does that kind of work in your process i've always i've always seen my movies or i mean i've always seen my movies i've always seen my books in my head as movies a lot of times i have scenes in my head and in fact my publisher wanted me to turn my serial killer screenplay into a book and i don't know that i can do it because i wrote it in such a way that it's terrifyingly cinematically but I don't know that I and, – and trust me, if you read my serial killer book, apparently it's pretty gruesome and it's kind of scary, uh, or so some of the reviews say. But I don't know that I can do that with that movie because I wrote it in such a way for it to be terrifying on the screen. So I don't know what in my brain switches that. I really don't. But I, I don't know that I can turn that around and get what I think is so scary to read it, to see it on the screen, to be as scary as in a narrative. 
So how, how um, what, what, I was going to ask you, how, how, uh, how'd you get into kind of horror writing? Is that, I mean, kind of horror fantasy, you know, what, what, what influenced you towards that? Why do you kind of live in that lane? Uh, My mother would let me watch stuff (laughs) growing up. (laughs) I was a sheltered child. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Something about it fascinates me. I've always enjoyed sci-fi. Um, I mean, I think Alien is one of the scariest movies ever because you never see the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, just something about the sci-fi genre, the the fear of the unknown, and just it, it's fear is is one of the emotions that you, you know you you it's it's well, I mean, I guess love's a universal thing too, but something about just fear and, and what it drives because there's such a response with with fear in people. And I am not a fearful person. I mean, nothing scares me. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, at all. And so then I try to write a story that I would hope would scare me. So it's got to be terrifying for the the queasy and the and those and those kind of people. But I just I don't know something about the emotional drive of those characters. Plus, my monsters are real. They're serial killers. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I know I write a zombie series, but. Uh, when I, I write the serial killers, I was like, that's even scarier because they're real. Mm-hmm. They're, and, and they were normal people. And if you really start to research serial killers, some of them were very handsome men mm-hmm. who were very charismatic. And you would have let these people watch your children and not thought twice about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if you watched that Netflix show. Is, uh, I forget the, the name of it. But based on the, the book, The FBI Agent. Uh, Back in the what was that in the seventies or eighties and they he, oh, inter- he what's it called yeah uh, the one the mine hunter is yeah the, mine hunter yes 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 yeah it's in my insta queue but <laughs> yeah well it's I mean it's you know it's based on this book and you know this these interviews and yeah it's kind of this yeah I mean obviously some of some of the guys have you know uh, terrible childhoods and you know, abuse and all that. But, but, you know, some of them, I mean, you would, it's just the normal guy doing his job and, you know, after work, you know, slaughtering people. Um, but, but, you know, I think that is what you're saying about fear. It's, it's that, you know, it's almost more terrifying to think like, Oh, my next door neighbor who seems like a normal guy could be, could have like bodies in the freezer. Um, or the, the fear of the unknown or the, you know, it's such a primal thing that we all resonate with. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, that's what, 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 you know, leads them to, you know, whether it's scary movies or suspense or, or whatever, because we all can kind of relate or the things we're, we're scared. You know, Stephen King talks about that, you know, write about the things that scare you to death. Um, cause it's, it's very relatable. Um, he said a lot of his early books had a lot of children in it because he had young children. And so sometimes it was, you know, the fear of losing your children and the fear of you know, your children being hurt or whatever. Um, and those kinds of things. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think that's, there's just a resonance there. And, um, I, I like what you're saying earlier too, about, you know, dealing with pain or dealing with, you know, talking about with your, with students, you know, writing down their, their pain, their struggle, journaling, that kind of thing. You know, a lot of times the scarier books or the horror genre, a lot of the guys I've had on here and gals, um, they, you know, they say it's such a healing thing. It's such a therapeutic thing to kind of get those fears on the page and, and kind of helps you in your life. I, I agree. I, I do. And it just, just something, something's therapeutic about writing period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's such a, a great medium to, and, and you don't have to share. In fact, I was talking to a lady the other night who had bought my book and she was having some issues and she goes, well, I've kind of wanted to write, but I mean, I don't really want I don't know what to do with it. And I said, well, just write what's bothering you down and just stick it in a drawer. Mm-hmm. You don't have to publish it. I mean, see how you feel after you put that down. 
Um, I have another former student. I don't ever encourage her to write her emotional issues, but every time she has a breakdown on Facebook, I send her messages because she's an artist. She draws. I said, I want you to draw that pain for me. And she'll send me a picture sometimes and, and, and she goes, you know what, that, that helps so much. I said, you don't have to write it to be published. Sometimes you just write it because it helps people. Other times you write it, it can become, they're coming living, breathing thing and, uh, and help people and, and that. And I think that's one thing with writers. We have this universal truth that we find, even in a zombie book, there's things in there that I think that people can identify with and go, yeah, that I have that problem because you can't just I mean, I guess you could just run around and shoot zombies for, you know, 400 pages. That would be kind of cool. But I mean, I put some emotional stuff in there, too, uh-huh. uh, as well. Um, the serial killer book really is disturbing because it's a group of serial killers who form a self-help group because they can't turn to anybody about their urges. Uh-huh. And I think that speaks to mental health periods, mental health issues we have, period. Because people just they don't want to talk about their mental health. Hopefully they're not killing people, but mm-hmm. they can't talk about their mental health problem. I'm writing a that one I've set in the 1920s for the Speakeasy. My main character is suffering from shell shock, um, and because and you know in the 1920s you're a man, get over it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm kind of that. That's the theme in that one. I'm hoping that you know you read that and the you see that you know nobody really cares that he's got this problem, and I hope that brings an awareness. That's not my full purpose in writing the book, but that is definitely my theme that is shaping the story is dealing with this guy's PTSD in a time where nobody cared. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's it's amazing how much of your own stories come out on the page. I mean, for, through fiction, I think it's one of the best mediums to do that because I remember my first novel, actually, that we, our second daughter passed away after a few days and, you know, writing it years later, I was realizing I was, it was me in the story. It was me dealing with, you know, the loss of, you know, it was a little different in the story, but, but it, that was just me kind of dealing with, you know, walking through that, that same loss. And the character really comes out as like, he's just in a bad place and he's trying to deal with his own, you know, keep his life together. And he, he lost his wife as well and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, that could be a really healthy, healthy thing. I, you know, I, I find, you know, people that write, you know, the whole writers I've had on here, the, you know, some of the most well-adjusted people, because I think they're finding a, a channel, you know, that's healthy to, to kind of express themselves and not let it bottle it up and, you know, get out their anger, get out their fears, whatever's, you know, bothering them or whatever it is. Oh, definitely. I think it's great. I, uh, I, I show several films to my creative writing class. Uh, and one of them's Maggie, the Arnold Schwarzenegger zombie film with no zombies in it. Um, and I think it's a brilliant piece. If you haven't seen it, it's it's uh, his daughter's bitten and it takes like 30 days, 60 days for her to actually turn into a zombie. And I showed it to one creative writing class and I've got three girls in there and they're just bawling at the mm-hmm. end of this film after we screened it. And I'm like, what's up? And she goes, that's not about zombies at all. That's. <laughs> Stop dealing with a loved one who's dying of a terminal disease. And I'm like, well, that was your theme, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And and they were like, they just thought it. And I was like, it's brilliant. And and again, they're using zombies to get that point across. Um, and, and, and so that theme to me is so important uh, as to what you're trying to convey. And you're telling that story. And they're absolutely right. It was about losing a loved one through a terminal disease. In this case, it just happened to be zombieism. Uh, so when you can get that across, you, you reach these kids and, and, and it helps. And I think some of them saw that, that, and then one of them is actually going to college right now and she, uh, she's, uh, working on being a reporter. 
Yeah, that that's that's funny because my my wife I, when I started walk, watching The Walking Dead, you know, years back, uh, you know, she said, you know, wh- why are you watching zombies? Like, you don't even like zombies. And you know, after I had watched a couple episodes, it w- wasn't about the zombies at all. It was, you know, it was about people. It was about you know love. It was about marriage. It was about you know what happens when the world's falling apart and how people you know act and how people can be horrible and you know um it's about families yeah. it was about you know some i mean zombies were just kind of a side thing and like i was like hey you barely even see the zombies in some episodes you know um but it just kind of drew you in i mean those characters are so great uh as as much as you know I mean, love their opinions about that but you know so diverse so different you know they're all dealing with their own stuff and just as they get into like their backstories and all that you know, it's so relatable, you know, yeah. What would, what would happen to us, you know, if the world's ending and we're trying to survive and, and, you know, how would we act and how do we think about our families and all that kind of stuff? Um, I, I think that's, that's so key when you talk about theme. Um, so this would be a good segue just into, you know, you mentioned, you know, films that, you know, you, you show your students or I imagine there's probably books that you, you recommend. What, What would be some, some books or films that you say, you know, this is really, uh, these are really great uh, things that you need to read or ingest uh, to kind of understand s- good storytelling or um, different aspects to, to the good storytelling. What would be some of those that come off the top of your head? Um, off the top of my head, well, I have a, a couple of films I show to my, my creative writing kids. I don't actually make them read. I know that's horrible of me, but I find when I make them read a short story, I get clones. Mm-hmm. And I don't want clones. I want more free ideas. But I always show them Casablanca. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant to see how we learn so much about Rick before we ever meet him based on how other characters talk about him. Hmm. And if you're really trying to understand character, you know, you find out five or six things about Rick before we ever meet him, before he walks in. I show the searchers, though, this current generation has got to be a little bit more open minded because it was written in a time where, you know, Indians were Indians and they don't have the respect we should be giving the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. But the darkness that John Wayne has in that character is brilliant. I show Maggie. I do show Star Wars. Mm-hmm. The first thing after Christmas we watch. And Han shoots first in that one, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> as far as I think, um, whatever you're reading, whatever you, as far as reading, whatever you're writing, like I am going to start writing the fourth zombie book in about two weeks, and I have checked out all these books from the library I haven't read yet about zombies. I personally like to ingest whatever I'm reading mm-hmm. or working on. So if when I was writing that mystery story in the 1920s, I was reading stuff about the 1920s, and I was reading mystery stories. I think that's so important. And you're not copying. You're not going to get some other – you're going to get more ideas about your own characters before you ever take an idea out of those books. Mm-hmm. If you want something to help you write better, besides writing every day, Stephen King's On Writing is a must. Uh, Sid Fields writes a book on, I've read two of his books on screenplay writing. And it's not just about screenplay writing, it does have information in there that really helps you develop character and story. Plus, if you practice a little bit of screenplay writing, your dialogue gets so much better. Because, I mean, you really think about it, screen, screenplays are about the dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I also like uh, Oscar Scott Card's How to Write Science Fiction and Fantasy. And he talks about how he – the chapter I always quote to the kids or the section is he talks about writing uh, – he had drawn a map. And he, he likes to draw maps for his fantasy worlds. And I don't remember what book it was for. But he had drawn seven gates around this city, and everybody came through the gates. And then he realized on his map that he had forgot to draw the gate in one of the gate walls. And he didn't want to mess up his uh, 
map by whiting it out. So he decided that that one wall, that one gate, that everybody comes through a different gate. So merchants come through a gate, warriors come through a gate, farmers come through a gate. Well, this gate used to belong to magicians, and now it's sealed. And now he's got a whole idea for his book that he didn't even have when he planned it because he boogered up his map. So, you know, there's tons of books on how to write. I would invest in those two and the, some of the screenplay writing books by Sid, Sid Fields. I know he passed away, so I know that he probably won't be as current anymore. But uh, most of the time, it's writing every day is what you need to do as far as that goes. Uh, and you'll be a much better writer. And take a course. Take a writing course. Take a screenplay writing course. Anything with somebody that hopefully will give you some direction. And that's a really good investment of your time. But if you want to write romance, I would be reading romance. If you want to write science fiction, I would be reading science fiction. Everything from independent authors to the classics because you'll see a gambit of styles and ideas and and how they do things and how they put stuff together and pick the stuff out you like and try to be that way. And the stuff that you like snooze through, don't write that way. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah, I think there's there's some wisdom too. Yeah, like you were saying, you know, if you're writing zombie novels, like read about, you know, maybe even nonfiction books about zombies, or if you're writing a thriller about, you know, police procedurals or something, read, you know, true crime or read, you know, it doesn't always have to be fiction necessarily. Um, but yeah, just ingest kind of what what the subject is, and you know, it's amazing how your your mind kind of absorbs things and yes. it comes out in your stories. Uh, no, that's really, really helpful. So, um, so as you're, you know, uh, teaching students, you know, high school level, college level, um, you know, talking to writers, you know, what are, I always love asking this question because we can learn a lot from it, but what, what is just some, I guess I would call them rookie mistakes or, or common mistakes that you see with, with kids when it comes to, you know, writing their first, you know, story or novel or whatever, you know, whatever they're, they're working on. What are some just common themes you see? Um, even myself, I did this too. Uh, we learned in screenplay writing class, never to use the word suddenly. In fact, that was the <laughs> bane of our existence and nobody ever walks anywhere. You, in screenplay writing, you don't walk, you, you march, you saunter, you know, you, you, you add those, don't use vanilla verbs because your space is so limited into that screenplay. You can't have anybody walk in the room. That's a, that's a play direction for stage um so trying to get rid of those vanilla verbs is something i try to beat into the heads of my kids is get rid of those vanilla verbs um try to remove the adverbs uh don't you don't suddenly do anything get rid of those fluff words uh uh, my editor all the time she's adding that's back in because i try to take them out she's always leaves me a little note that says you need this that and i'm like okay because i'm always trying to get rid of as many as many adverbs as i can um, I, I think some of the things, and I actually met a girl at a show and she's like, Oh, I, I got it up on, on Kindle. And then if I find a mistake, I take it down and fix it. And I'm like, don't, don't be in a hurry to get it out there. Really live with it for a while. Uh, and I know I tell the kids this and, and then I, I, I totally lie to them because then their papers do the next day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if you can, I, I try to let some books sit for months before I go back and even start to make a second or third or a fourth pass and really get, move away from it so that I can go back and read it objectively and, and live with it for a while and, and go and just keep rewriting and keep writing and never give up. That's the best thing that you can do. But I don't like – I'm trying to remove a lot of the adverbs if I can help it. And that was something that was forbidden in screenwriting, and that really helped – 
to understand that you can write sentences without so many ly words and not, and you have to be active you have to be active in those screenplays because you used a lot of smashing you know the door smashed open this guy smashed this on the table because apparently that was you know that action that creates that image in your mind so uh, anything you can do to paint that picture and also I tell them because they don't get a grade for this. I said, you know, why don't you write a cut when they're like, I'm stuck with this character. I said, well, write, write what he's doing on a normal day when he's not in this story and really create that backstory. And a lot of kids cannot, they're like, well, I spent five hours writing two pages. And what do you mean I can't put it in? I'm like, no, you, you need to understand that. So that paragraph you write makes him so much better a character and you get a much better grade or you've told a much better story because you know what this guy does on his day off. I don't care what he does on his day off. I want to see him go save the girl or I want to see the girl kick the monster's butt. Uh-huh. But I'd like, you know, but you understand that and that helps you become a better writer. The other thing they cannot let go and I tell my students this all the time is you're not married to your outline. If the story takes you in a different direction, you follow it. Well, that's not on my outline. I said, I don't, and even I tell them that in their comp paper. Sometimes as you're writing this, you can do all the research in the world, and the story suddenly takes a twist that you had no idea it was going to go. And I say follow it. The worst you're going to do, one, you've practiced writing a little bit more, which will make you a better writer in the end, and you have to cut out some pages, and you've told a much better story. It's killing your darlings, as Hemingway said. That's the hardest thing. They spend so much time. They have to let it go. And that was hard for me, too. There's no doubt. So tell us a little about your, your own process. Uh, you know, you said you've been writing every day. Obviously, you know, kids are older now. You got a little more time. Um, you know, what is how is I always like to ask, you know, how's your process evolved, you know, from first book to now um, kind of, you know, getting the words on the page. You're a big outliner. You're free flowing. Talk a little bit about that. I I always almost always write the last chapter first. Um, I feel like uh, if I I, I want to know where they're going, um, and then then the book itself is the journey. And a lot of times you have to rewrite that last chapter because events change. But I I want to know the end point. I want to know the destination. I have several three by three cork boards that are full of colored index cards that I map part of the story out in. I usually map a good probably less than half to start uh and then i kind of see where it goes because sometimes the characters take you in new directions uh, i don't always write literally a a linear i do not write linear i will like okay well i know at some point i want them to end up at this place and i'll go write that uh, a lot of times you have to rewrite it or chuck it and then rewrite it to fit because you things have changed but if a piece of what i want to go in that book pops up in my brain uh, in fact, the one I'm writing right now, uh, the uh, the story set in 1923, uh, I've been researching World War One to know, and I've been writing little snippets of his time in the, the trenches, and I've actually kind of started writing another book with that character actually in the trenches. I don't know how much that'll go in the story, but I've totally deviated from my plan because I really want to understand what's happening to him in the trenches, which again when I get to study, when I start rewriting and going into his PTSD, his shell shock, I'm going to understand what happened a lot better than I did before. I don't know if anybody will ever see that stuff on the World War II or World War I that I've written uh, or the Great War. Uh, that's fun, too, because you've got to go back to all the <laughs> all the terms from the 1920s because it was not World War I and then right, right. And, and World War II. And, um, and 
and play with that. And I, like I said, I don't know if anybody will see that. And I bet there's 20 or 30, you know, single space times new Roman font 12 uh, story there about his time in the trenches that who knows? I mean, that's almost a novella. Who's, I mean, who's going to see that? I don't know. Maybe I might do something with it later, but boy, when he's having those moments or those flashbacks into World War One, I, I have a much stronger understanding because I took the time to write that. And I don't feel like I've wasted any time. I feel like I understand this character better. Therefore, the reader, the reader will most likely, um, you know, have a much better character and a much better story. And if anything, I wrote, you know, 10,000 words, 10 days of my life. I try to write a thousand words a day. 10 days of my life, you know, that I start, which will just in the end make me a better writer. So it's, it, and you have to let that go. And I know at the beginning I couldn't let that go. If I wrote it, it went in there. Mm-hmm. It went in there. Um, I do go back and I try to look at what I've written in previous novels to make, make sure everything matches up. I do care somewhat about continuity. Uh, my sci-fi story, I have 60 pages of notes on all the characters and the alien races and the planets and some future ideas and some backstories that you may or may not ever see uh, to add to that mystery and 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 and, and, and what's going on with them. Uh, the zombie book, uh, I have a I have a I have a plot outline for all. I have the story arc in my head for all five books, and then right before I write each individual, I kind of plot it out uh, and I use the colored card system because and whatever yellow is for Bob and red is for Susan. And, you know, every time I've, and it's like, oh, well, we haven't seen a Susan chapter in a while. So I put her up on the board. I said, I'll have to put something in there and find out what's happened with her. Cause I try to write them all in a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So if you like to fall, I had one kid, he was reading a rough draft and he kept flipping. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, well, I want to get to, I want to get to Mike. I want to find out what's and Mike was that character. And I want to get to Mike. I said, what do you mean? I said, well, I just care about his story. <laughs> 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 so he wanted to find out what happened to one character. So he was flipping through and finding the mic chapters and just reading them. And then it's like, but on my board, that's how I have those laid out. So you can see it. Cause I'm kind of visual when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you go, you know what? I haven't seen this character. Well, I might need to go move this chapter up here, which is so easy to do with, uh, with word processors. And mm-hmm. that's good. So do you have uh, any idea when you sit down to write, you know, your, whether it's, you know, sci-fi or fantasy or horror or whatever, how long it's going to be, or do you kind of just let the story go where it needs to go? Um, I, you know, I do try, you know, not a, a proper novel length is a hundred thousand words. I don't live and die by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have that endpoint. I have that endpoint. Um, and I get there. So I, I knew exactly where the first zombie book was going to end. I had a I had a goal in mind. There, it, you follow three different characters, and 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 at one point you know they're going to converge. I don't think that's a spoiler. And they converge, and that was at ninety thousand words. And then if you want to find out what happens, you have to get book two, which turned out to be eleven. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long book three will be, but I try to stick around that hundred thousand word range. Um, if it's a series. Uh, I think the detective story I'm writing right now will be 70,000 words, maybe. Um, 
But if the story keeps going and it's flowing well, I will write more. You know, Stephen King rec- recommends you just write the whole thing and then you cut out 20%. Can you imagine if you could cut out 20% of the stand? I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yeah. wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've met, I, I met one author and he actually does a mathematical formula. Certain chapters have to be so many words. And he says, well, if I have more ideas, it just gets cut. And I'm like, no, I would never ever do that i would write it and then if i need to go back and move things around but i don't i don't worry about the word count uh, except my daily word count that's all that's important to me mm-hmm. is that I, I try to write a thousand words a day if i can uh, and, and that and then if i cut it later i cut it later if i don't i don't but no there's uh, several guides on the internet that tell you like a, a fantasy book should be 150,000 words a detective story should be 70,000 words mm-hmm. uh, but most novels are 100,000 words which is a good length mm-hmm. Um, as far as a good story. Um, but yeah, I write that ending and I try to get there and, and hopefully, and then if I need to go back, if I feel it's, uh, there's stuff I got room to play with, or I want to add something in, or uh, I do, um, I write very, very fast. So a lot of times my word count isn't accurate anyway, cause I have to go back in and put little words in that I wrote so fast. I skipped over them cause my brain was definitely moving 500 miles an hour and my fingers were doing like five. But uh, now I, I don't know. I think you should need to tell a story, but then you have to go back and, and, and do what Elmore Leonard said and said, cut the stuff that people skip. Mm-hmm. So if you write a 150,000 word story and only 90,000 words really get the reader involved, then that's the length of your novel. That's good. So William, this has been, been great. So uh, you are, uh, have helped a lot of people and we've talked a lot about, about a lot of things. And one of the questions I love to ask, especially people like yourself who teach and encourage writers in a very official way is, you know, what would just be some, some basic kind of principles that you would tell someone who's just starting out or just written their first thing or want to write their first thing, um, you know, just to encourage them as a writer, what would be things that they need to do or think about, or, you know, uh, be encouraged by? Well, I mean, if, they've written their book. That's, that's a big encouragement right there. Just to get that far, uh, they should be praised and should be happy. And they're a writer published or not. They're a writer. I mean, if you can get that much done, that's incredible. Um, the biggest thing I've learned and I, I have a great publisher. I have a great people I work with and they're very honest, but be now you've got that. You've got your baby. That is your child. That is that is likely the choice between saving your real child and your manuscript in a fire or, <laughs> oh, <laughs> flip a coin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, flip a coin. Um, so, and, and, and if you've written a book, you understand that, right, that, right. that's, that's a very difficult choice. You love your kids, but that's your child too, yeah. uh, is be very, very research who you're sending your stuff to. Because there are a lot of very, you know, people out there that will take your money to help you get published and give you no return. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that could be more discouraging than not writing a word on the page because you don't know who to trust. So research your your people. You know, back before the Internet, when I used to meet authors, that was always my first question was how they got published. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, a lot of them worked in some kind of industry and were asked to write a book. So I was like, well, that doesn't help. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, doesn't help at all. Um, But yeah, that would be the big thing because you want that next big step if you want it published. Um, And even if you want to self-publish it, I think you should send it off and collect some rejection letters just because sometimes you get some responses 
And I have a few rejection letters where it wasn't a form letter where they actually what encouraged me was is they actually wrote something back, like basically summarizing you're close, but you're not close enough. But they took the time to say that. Uh And that was so encouraging. Uh Uh, And they don't do that for everybody. In fact, I got an email for a story that got rejected a couple months ago and I put it in my creative writing lesson that said, you're close. If you rewrite it, we might look at it again. And they started off with, we don't normally say this. So, yeah, I mean, even I, who have several books out, still get rejections, which is great. I heard J.K. Rawlings does, too, so I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> Probably not Stephen King, but, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, yeah, don't be very careful. Don't look for Some of those companies are very, they just want your money, and they're not going to help you. And it shouldn't be super expensive. They should be, you know, reasonable. And then find a good editor. Find people that are not your family to read it. That will be honest, and I've noticed that with my students. I will give them something I've written, and once one of them figures out it's mine, all of a sudden there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Because yep. they're like, well, you know what you're doing. I'm like, well, yeah, right. I know what I'm doing. That's why I'm asking you to look <laughs> over because I know what I'm doing, and it's not right. It's not ready. It's not anything. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I was working on the audio book for one of my books, and there are sentences in there even after that. I was like, God, I want to rewrite that sentence. It's awful. <laughs> I can't believe that made it onto the page. So right. uh, it's a living, breathing creature, and, 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 it, and it takes time to get it out there, and it's not an overnight process. And if that's what you want, you can achieve it, but be careful with that. But yeah, if they've written that book, that's that's just amazing. I mean, you you have reached achieved so much because most people can't. They 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 always talk. About, I get people all the time that say, "I've got an idea that should be a book," and they'll tell me about it. And sometimes they've got a bigger, a better outline than I've ever written for a book. And I'm like, "Why don't you write that?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't really do that. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's good. Well, that's really a uh, really great advice. And uh, before we go, love to hear kind of what do you have, you know. Uh, coming out soon or what just came out uh what are you working on and then where can people find you um well my serial killer novel uh ska serial killers anonymous was just released at the beginning of october uh you can find it on amazon barnes and noble uh and uh, some other local bookstores in my area uh that's the most current that's out my next release will be my third zombie book which i've got a lot of people waiting for that they want to find out what happened especially my sister who called me up as soon as she finished it and said are they alive or dead and i'm like guess what (laughs) you have to wait just like everybody else um so that's probably next i am writing a mystery and i'm going to and uh i've got a couple short stories that hopefully make it into some anthologies as well um i can be found at uh, bhc press that's my uh, publisher and then i have my own webpage, sandmen and zombies the two villains from my sci-fi and my zombie series okay great well william it's been such a privilege to have you on the show and you helped a lot of a lot of writers today and so thank you for sharing all your experiences and your story and uh, all your knowledge with us it was a, a a huge blessing so thanks for coming on the show Well, thank you for having me. Well, there you have it. Prolific writer nation, William Schlichter. We talked about so much stuff. Holy cow. Writing a screenplay for the walking dead, learning from his students, encouraging his students. I was just really inspired. If you remember what I said at the beginning of the show, 
just about the next generation of writers, next generation of artists. I think we need more artists. We need more poets. We need more people that can create art that, that encourage that inspire that challenge, uh, because we live in a, in a dark world and we need some light. And, and I think, you know, art is, is one of those God given things that, uh, he's given us to, to make things and to use it for, for the good of others. And, uh, and so I really, I really thankful for William and his work that he's, he's doing with, with the next generation of artists and writers, but also his own work. And so go check out his books, William Schlichter. I'll put all his information in the show notes. He's got a lot of stuff coming out, writing a lot of different genres, some great, great stories that I think you'll enjoy. And also, as I mentioned, go check out the Patreon page, go support this show, go support all the project entertainment network shows. And before you take off today, a couple things. One is if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes, that would really help us get this show out into the world, uh, wherever you listen to the show. Um, and thank you so much for all the encouraging words and the, the comments and the reviews. Uh, it's such a privilege and a pleasure to do this show, and I want to keep doing it and serving our writing community well. And uh, so thank you for that. But if you could drop a, a rating or review, that'd be, be wonderful. Supposedly it helps. So, um, well, hey, this has been a great episode. And I just have one more thing to say before I sign off is go get those words on the page. No, seriously, go, go get the words on the page because William told you, you need to do that thousand words a day. Come on, you can do it right every day. Just do it. Go get it. Go get after it. Seriously. Why why are you still here? Why are you listening to this? I mean, don't you have better things to do? Like, come on, it's time to write. Let's go shut off the podcast. No more binging podcasts. Go, go get the words on the page. I'm Ryan J. Pelton. I'll talk to you real, real soon. Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.